Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Design Recharge. This is episode two for 2021. And I am excited to have my friend Costas Coleus back on and he's gonna talk to us about mindset because in January, it is not when anybody else does it. Maybe there's some someplace in um, Wisconsin, but I think it's best to do mental health month in January. Cause I think of it as kind of like, it's the middle of winter and it's the high after the holidays. It's like, it's hard and people have set all these big goals and now they might be overwhelmed or whatever. So I, I kind of like to pull it back into perspective of, Hey, let's, let's make sure that we're taking care of ourselves, our mental states because i think it can be really hard sometimes or it is for me in the winter sometimes it's worse in the winter but i'm thankful to have everybody here live costas we are going to dive in onto something that i think a lot of people don't necessarily normally think of as um it's totally normally scary and it's uh, sales right we usually think of it as kind of like a a yucky word and but really it has to do with our uh, growth mindset. And you've taught me a lot about growth mindset. And so I want you to give everybody a little bit of your background about when you started your uh, creative agency. You actually have three businesses. Can you tell them a little bit of when you started your creative creative agency? I had a creative agency when I was in Greece um, and I was doing like uh, self-dope design, graphic design. Uh, there was a craziness about T-shirts. Uh, I remember in a point in Greece and the vector graphics was very, you know, on the top of the demand. So I found them quite good, you know, quotations, nice graphics. And uh, somehow I found my T-shirt, the local T-shirt uh, business in uh, where I was coming from, in Rhodes, the island, Greece, kind of expensive. So you know what? Let me elaborate. So after like two weeks of uh, research, I got a cutting machine I got a computer and <clears throat> I installed for the first time the Adobe Illustrator, which it was like a huge mountain to climb because I didn't have a clue about graphic design. And, you know, with the right experimentation and the good YouTube videos, I started doing some basic vector graphics t-shirts. And then because you need to do some, uh, you know, t-shirt graphics, you have to be specific about uh, the outcome. It turns out that it's something that I loved. And uh, this was my introduction to the creative agency world because making t-shirts, people were coming, coffee shops, they wanted the logos, and then I got into the logo design, and somehow I became a full-scope graphic design agency. That was back in uh, 2003, I think. Uh, yes, one year before the Olympic Games in Athens. Um, and, but then I had to go to the army. So I, registered, I joined the army. In Greece, it's mandatory, and I was actually um, an officer. Is it during a certain age bracket that you have to be you a have, member? You have you have the, the choice to go after school, after high school, or you have to go after you study. I kind of delayed after my university and everything, and I was slacking. I'm guilty, but then I have to go. So I, I joined the army as an officer in the cavalry. I would say armed division, you know, tanks, steel, a lot of steel. So I became very good in actually leadership, learning from the army. And then when I get back, free from the army, I guess um, I was ready to... Uh, seek something new. Um, I come from a retail uh, uh, family. My, my family was always uh, in commerce and trade and retail. So something that was inside of me since I was a kid. So I always knew how to sell my way to the top. Um, so then 
I realized there is more to discover. And this is when I came to America, 2010. Um, and I started having an agency doing graphic design and printing for startups. So somehow I got a connection. I got involved with the TechCrunch. For those who know, TechCrunch is uh, one of the biggest uh, tech publications, like tech, tech publications, and they have the tech, uh, TechCrunch Disrupt. It's a big event in San Francisco, in New York and Berlin. So on an annual basis, three big events. Somehow I got connected to build their printing. Um, I got very well into the startup world. So I was always a tech guy, I would say a nerd. And uh, slowly, slowly this thing was picking up, but then was like a curve in the market and I have to find a second job. So I started working on a second job, something that was easy for the Greeks, uh, become a server on the hospital industry. So I started becoming a server on a Greek restaurant in New York City. And in the morning I was in WeWork, a co-working space, doing graphic design and printing. And then I was living straight up, going to work to, be, to work for a server. The money were good. So I was very uh, easily, I would say, sustain, sustaining my, my life because New York rents and expenses, you know, they were too high. So with two jobs, I felt the burning out coming very soon. And this is when uh, my boss in the restaurant actually offered me a promotion because he liked my style. He liked uh, what I did. Yes. So I have a question. Had you already gotten your master's at this point? So my master's degree in New York Institute of Technology, my master's in business, um, I graduated, but then because of an immigration issue, they told me that I have to retake six credits. And um, two classes, two classes, three credits each. I got a little bit uh, irritated because we paid a lot of money, my family for this degree. So I decided to drop out and say, okay, if you want me to re register and do again the lessons because of something for glitch you found out after after I graduated, I decided not to pursue it. So I still have my bachelor's degree in business and all the experience from the world that is necessary to run the business. So I'm coming to 2012, uh, sorry, 13. I'm a restaurant manager, decided to pursue the life of the restaurateur, dropped my startup and started becoming very good in the restaurant good in sales, good in relationships. And that was an amazing journey for me because intense life, six times a week, one day, day, uh, one day off. But somehow my big passion was like always about marketing and branding. So it was always in the back of my head. Um, so after let's say four or five years, I think uh, working in the restaurant industry, I found a peak point that I said, okay, I've done it all. A restaurant deal, it didn't work out with my ex boss. so. I decided to pursue the agency lifestyle for my connections that I made in the restaurant industry. I made a lot of people in the hospitality industry, great connections, great relationships. So I built my agency, Brantry Media. And uh, Brantry Media started doing like social media, media uh, for restaurants initially, reputation management through Yelp and Google local listings. Um, and then, you know, as I was growing and getting more clients, things were getting a little bit intense in terms of the... Uh, the schedules, I have to start hiring people, delegate accordingly. And this is when I met a great photographer, food photographer. So this food photographer, Sayan, I'm still a big fan of her. Amazing talent. I got really into photography through her lens. Uh, somehow this collaboration didn't work out because the money didn't make sense. So I got into photography somehow. I went to B&H, photo video place in New York City, which is the, the mecca of uh, photography. 
I didn't know a lot of photography. I bought a camera and started experimenting. And when I saw the results from the camera, I got very into it. Somehow I have a passion of starting something and see how far it can go. I became a content creator. I delegated the rest of the services for brand free media to the team, do social media, web designing, and I started doing content creation. Videos, cinemagraphs, stop motion videos. I found this very, very productive and very creative. And then as I was growing it, a client of mine uh, came to me and said, listen, I like your style. I like what you do. How about we do some um, events for the restaurant to grow it? I said, okay, what do you have in mind? I said, listen, I'm a pizza, pizzaiolo. How about we start teaching people how to make pizza? I said, it's fantastic. It has an amazing space on the back. So I put all the connections I have in marketing. I partnered up with a publication, a local publication in your city. We start promoting pizza making events. And uh, this thing picked up. We had amazing photos, amazing videos. So people were just, we, we were driving sales from photos. Uh, <laughs> and we're coming after like uh, six months, the demand got bigger. We started getting more inquiries also from a private uh, point, like uh, from public events. We got companies like Google, Microsoft, Louis Vuitton to reach out to say, hey, we like what you do in your public events. Is there something we can do in our offices? So we have to start improvising and then we have to see about licenses and about insurances. So we became a full scope event planning business within Brantry Media. So this thing kind of went very, very aggressively on the top. We became like the premier destination for fun, interactive dining experiences. People were hiring us to do this thing. I have to hire a team. I have to have an executive chef. I have to find a space to rent for us. So we were doing from one event a week, we ended up doing about eight events per week. Whoa. So, so as you can understand, in the morning I was running Brandtree Media, trying to delegate my restaurant customers. In the night we're doing all those events. So we built an amazing team. So I'm, I'm, I'm very happy that the things were going. And we, we reached the peak that we're saying, what's next? We have to rent a bigger space. We have to hire more people. And then the pandemic happened. Hospitality industry just collapsed, which for me was an amazing opportunity to realize things. I say, okay. Growth mindset. Exactly, exactly. So if you have a fixed mindset in the situation, you just panic. You say, oh my God, what I'm doing, you know? I remember the day that uh, they announced the lockdown in New York City. For me, it was, I felt the disappointment. I said, what are we doing right now? We have like all those events lined up. And I have about 15 clients that they're doing marketing through brand media. So hospitality somehow collapsed. I have to find a way how to do things further. Don't forget, I'm a creative in heart, self-taught designer. So the creativity was always there, but I'm also a business person. I know how to run efficiently my businesses and I understand how to grow business and sales. It's an essential part of growing a business. So for me, selling my products, my services, and myself, and the, the solution for the problems I'm solving was a part of me. So how do you get to the pandemic era? I said, okay, no hospitality, no events. So I redefined Hungry Pop, which is the company doing events, to virtual events. We order more equipment. So that was what I was about to ask. So you were into photography. Is that when you went, got into the video or were you already doing video before? I was doing video before, so I was very good, uh, well-equipped with equipment and uh, the right lighting. Because I think that could have been 
too overwhelming for some people too. It's like, you've got a total, I think the pandemic hit and it was a, a lot of people were scrambling. So if you had had to learn everything about video, it may have been not as smooth, even though it wasn't super smooth, but that was at least good because you were always learning, right? You were very passionate. You would pick up on things. You would dive in when you were really interested in things. So it wasn't like you were just like, nope, I don't have space to learn anything else. You were always learning, right? The interesting thing is that uh, everybody applied for unemployment at this point. I didn't. I have some runaway. I have some, um, some buffer. I decided to invest more money to the existing state of things that I had. So I invested more in the equipment. I invested about learning more about production, home production studios, about cooking. And we started getting like those virtual events out to the world. And Oracle, one of the companies, uh, the women's subdivision, uh, reached out to us and uh, they asked us if we can do like a series event for us while I was building it. So I wasn't ready. And I told her, the organizer, say, how about this? Let's try one event to see if you like it. And then I will be able to adjust accordingly. Not only she loved it, she brought me two referrals with other companies that work together. So we ended up, me and my fiance, who's a chef also, uh, to organize our time around Hungry Pop. So Hungry Pop was picking in terms of virtual events, team buildings. People want to do the team buildings from the remote uh, uh, home, from where they work. So <laughs> what happened is that I got busy with Hungry Pop. And meanwhile, meanwhile, this is when I registered to the pro group. The pro group when I met uh, Chris Doe through Greg Hickman. So Greg Hickman is the owner of the Alt Agency, and he talks about productizing your service. And Chris Doe, for those who don't know, he's like a mentor for a lot of creatives, also my, my, my uh, mentor. I learned so many things. Um, so I took the information from Chris Doe, and I took it to the next level based my lens, based my spectrum. So while Hungry Pop was building, I had people from the creative world reaching out and talk about my experience hospitality. And I started realizing that as a creative, I was facing the problem of selling, okay? And even though I knew how to sell, I found many obstacles. So throughout this journey, I realized that a lot of creatives have this problem. What do we do? How do we do it? You know, clarity, my confidence, is my product there? So through this opportunity, I started aggregating more information from people, you know, on a very organic and genuine level. So I realized there's a good opportunity for me to practice and start teaching people what I have learned from the actual world of the agency and from my event planning business. So the way we sell our service and products, I put them in perspective of an asset. So I took all the experience I have. I took a little bit more time to invest in myself I took the Greg Hickman's productization service um, lesson, the bootcamp. I registered to the business bootcamp of Chris Doe, and I also participated in BJ Fogg's workshop for consumer behavior. So I was very busy while I was trying to set up Hungry Pop to learn things. Thankfully, I'm very lucky that I have a fiance that she's being more than supportive to my you know, endeavor. So we delegate accordingly. And here I am right now after like um, nine months of extensive research and we say comprehensive research, a lot of data aggregation. Um, I'm ready to give my lights to the world and help them to go further because I see so much opportunity in the creative world that people don't just take advantage of. It's a situation is like uh, there's abundance 
abundance of opportunities, but somehow there's a lot of stuckness also. There's a lot of stagnation. So I'm trying to get there and help them generally how to go to the next level. And the next level for me is to understand their business and start making sales. There's no business without sales. You need to understand and you have to love sales. So for me, I'm being considered right now to be a strategist and a coach for sales. I'm okay. helping people actually to build a sales framework. Okay. So um, COVID hits, you've kind of already talked about this. So some people would pivot out of the industry completely because um, hospitality or travel or anything like that might be very difficult. And you did to some extent, you were still doing it, um, uh, but not necessarily for hospitality. You were doing with Hungry Pop, you were doing the, and really it was this, it was a team building kind of thing. And now you had to do team building virtually, which was another uh, hurdle. But you, you, again, I like how you tried it. You were like, well, you want to do a series, let's try one and see how you like it. And then um, you can always improve. But I, I like that instead of just diving in because you were in, you needed the money or you whatever, you said, hey, let's try and see what it's like instead of just going all in. I think that that has a lot to do with your ethos, right? So, yes. yeah, yeah. And also, I think um, you realize and you started meeting with a lot of people and you realize that it wasn't, you didn't just start with sales. You, you were had, they had to be clear on who they were, what their values were and what was really the, at the core, right? I think most of the creatives, especially the creatives, um, they have this uh, dilemma. Do I continue to pursue what I am or do I extend my, my offerings with all this extra products I can add to my service and my offering. And I love that the people like graphic designers, web developers, they pursue the journey to become brand strategists. So I can really see it as a great opportunity for the creatives to pursue this journey, to become brand strategists, or to add more offerings in the creative realm. Because think about this, if you're a carpenter, you're a carpenter, okay? Maybe you can do some handy work in the house, but you're a carpenter. If you're a graphic designer though, you have to deal with a lot of design thinking, strategic thinking. It's not just the outcome of a logo of a branding identity. It's also all this energy you put to come up with ideas for your client. And that goes back to the journey of strategy. So the graphic designers that choose to become brand strategies, I totally find it um, okay. And I find it appropriate because they can definitely do it. And I feel very happy to see like people that I actually taught and actually that I help not only to become great brand strategists, to extend their willingness to do more. So somehow this hunger, it's, I think it's, it's the ambition. Mm. The, instead of saying, oh my God, it's a pandemic, it's a crisis. No, they go through the challenges and that's something we're going to discuss about the growth mindset and they put the effort and they actually make things happen. So I have to say, I was looking for inspiration and I got very overwhelmed positively overwhelmed with the passion of the people to become something more than they are. So I'm very happy with the way the market is going right now for the creative world. Okay. So then had you ever heard of Carol Dweck and the uh, growth mindset before you started that kind of sabbatical learning? So Carol Dweck is one of my mentors. Um, I have studied a lot of Carol Dweck, the book Mindset, definitely recommended for everybody. Uh, they can read it on Blinkist as a summary, which is very efficient, or they can just download it from Amazon. 
I think it's a necessary uh, handbook. Mm -hmm. It really changed the way I see things. And I explore Carl Dweck. Um, somehow, both, uh, two of my favorite mentors, Carl Dweck and uh, BJ Fogg, they're Stanford University, you know? So West Coast, do, uh, that produced some amazing, amazing people. So um, Carl Dweck brought the growth mindset in terms of the fixed mindset. What's mm. fixed mindset? What's growth mindset? Now, Growth mindset can help you to do many things, you know, but for me, it helped me actually to make it as an umbrella for my methodology. In order to become good in sales, you need to have a growth mindset. You have to go through challenges. You have to put the effort. You have to see things from a new perspective. So I'm teaching people about this perspective with actionable uh, workshops, with uh, ideas. And I think... People are getting to the growth mindset very efficiently. I'm very happy to see that happening. So Brian says it's a balance. You can pull um, in a bunch of money from adding uh, another service. Why not? But if your service drops, then it's not worth it. If you say you'll only do lettering and can't pay your bills, you need something that makes enough to give you a base. I totally agree. I think that that's a a it's kind of instead of going all in, you have to make sure that there is money. There is a, a market for that. Like if you want to sell tweezers for babies, I don't know. Maybe there's a big market for tweezers for babies. I don't know. I don't have any babies, but you know what I mean? Like it, it might be something that you really like to do, but maybe you need to do a product that it can sustain and then have that other as a side while you grow that tweezer for babies. I don't know where I come up with that today. Just came off the top of my head. Okay, so the thing about growth mindset, what's the difference in just having a positive attitude and um, having a growth mindset? Because I think that they are different, but I also think it's really, it is a really crucial part to staying positive. So how did you say stay positive during all of this? So I will say that back in the day I was working, I have two jobs and I was working about um, 14 to 18 hours a day, um, I felt the burnout and I have a choice to make. Either I'm going to keep going with this burnout until I feel like I cannot go anymore or I'm going to go back to live miserably in terms of one paycheck that just covered the basic needs living in your city. So I have to develop a new mindset. I didn't know about the growth mindset back there. Okay, I didn't know about the book. I didn't have any support from the community. I have to figure it out by myself. So what I figure out is that how about you work hard and you put a time frame? Work hard, put a time frame, get the money you need to keep building what you start building, which was like a creative agency. And it worked. It worked. I mean, um, working two jobs in New York City, it's, it's a great lesson. It's a great life lesson because you really don't have time for anything. And then you discover that you work for other people's purpose and not your purpose. So you have to cultivate the purpose. You have to understand why you're doing what you're doing. So I had a big goal. I didn't know how to set goals, but I'd have a big goal just to escape from this dual life eventually. And it worked. It worked. But uh, this is when I realized that I have a growth mindset. I saw the challenges coming and the problems coming on a daily basis, you know, running a restaurant in New York City, being a general manager and dealing with back of the house, front of the house, customer service, orders, marketing. It's, it's an intense gig, you know, but... I did it. I learned so many things. And the challenges were coming nonstop. 
problem is that you don't just create problems are coming. I mean, that's the way it is, the nature of the, of the business. I put my team, we created a mindset, say, listen, we're going to have problems. It's how we, how we actually react to the problems. So we build a thick skin about the problems. Uh, we reacted very well. And I realized that I was made for that. I was, I was built. I was wired somehow um, to, de- to develop a thick skin uh, and react to problems. So I think growth mindset was always in my, in my system. But, you know, Carl Dex says about uh, the journey from fixed mindset to growth mindset is like uh, many different stages. It's three stages, actually. It's the fixed mindset, the mixed mindset, and the growth mindset. Growth mindset is very difficult to accomplish because it needs a lot of effort. And I understand that people that have ongoing things, sometimes they don't have the time to invest in themselves, to understand more about themselves. So everybody somehow we're in the mixed mindset. Uh, You cannot really accomplish growth mindset. It needs a lot of time. It needs a lot of effort. Uh, I developed growth mindset and it took me time, but I still have the mixed uh, mind traits that I say sometimes, the way I perceive things. So it's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I have, an, I have a small uh, presentation for you and our audience here just to show you some things about um, the growth mindset. So if you allow me, I will Yeah, like please to... jump in. So growth mindset. Carl Dex said very simply that the growth mindset and the book was written initially for students, okay? And we can apply it for business based on our beliefs. But a growth mindset is when students understand that their abilities can be developed. And that's very, very, very important to understand. Our brain never stops to work never stops to develop. It's up to us to make the choice to actually develop it, right? Um, what's a fixed mindset? People believe their qualities are fixed traits and therefore cannot change. That's it. That's why I am. I don't need to do anything else. I'm happy with the way I am. These people document their intelligence and talents rather than working to develop and improve them. They also believe that talent alone leads to success and effort is not required. On the other hand, a growth mindset, people have an underlying belief that learning and intelligence can grow with time and experience. When people believe they can become smarter, they realize that their effort has an effect on their success. I love this. So they put an extra time leading to higher achievement. Now, um, based on my research, you know, there's a lot of um, um, existing pre-cut infographics, beautiful things that you can find about information videos, uh, TEDx presentation about growth mindset. But for me, it was about to understand happiness. What happiness is for me? What do I want to accomplish, right? So there was a study on the University College of London that indicates the secret to happiness is about low expectations. Now, the, the Rob Rutledge, which is a neuroscientist, says happiness depends not on how well things are going, by whether things are going better or worse than expected. Um, so based on that, I start my methodology and I'm starting all my approach in helping people by asking them to lower the expectations. So and that's something that uh, one of my dear friends and students, and I would say he's a mentor as well to me, Rafi Hopkins, in the morning we, we're talking about, to empty the bucket of expectations. Because if you want to go through the journey to discover more about yourself, and meanwhile, you have expectations, there's Mm -hmm. always going to be a disalignment about the things that are coming, you know, it's a learning process, you have to be very patient. So we start by lowering our expectations. Of ourself. 
Yes. Okay. What we expect from life, you know, how much money we want, what we want to accomplish. Lowering expectations. Some people say, I want five clients a month. Start with one, you know? Right. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, lower expectations on, on, a, on a broader spectrum means that the way you perceive what you can do, you know, just to take a step back, say, okay, let me lower the expectations mm-hmm. and let's start building accordingly. So view challenges and opportunities. When you have an opportunity in front of you, you know, you focus, you put the work, right? And you become persevere. That's what the challenge means, actually, that you focus to actually accomplish it, that you put the work, you know, and you're getting, you have perseverance. It's very important to see opportunities, you know, that can, can, can become like from challenge that you see on a daily basis. Instead of saying, oh my God, the challenge, I'm out, you know, see, okay, let me see how I can fix this. Of course, it has to be aligned with what you want to accomplish. I'm not talking about just take any challenge that comes in your way and deal with it. I'm talking about your mindset generally when it comes to your business growth and your growth, the challenge that will help you to go further, right? So this is what we mean by opportunities. Now, effort is very important. Some people, they say, and by the way, I I would like to have a a graph for you to say the difference between fixed mindset and growth mindset. But whatever you see here, the opposite is the fixed mindset. The fixed mindset doesn't put the effort. The growth mindset wants to put the effort because it's looking forward to the result. It's looking forward to accomplish something. And that's how they feel they're progressing. Okay? Of course, it has to be challenging. Otherwise, if it's too easy, we're all going to be amazing in the way we do things. And unfortunately, there's a lot of room for improvement. Not unfortunately. Fortunately, there's a lot of room for improvement for a lot of people. But we have to put in the effort. But for the right challenges. All right? Not any challenge. Here's what I discovered about specifically the creatives and the hospitality um, owners. They just sell things without having the process in mind. And somehow we are looking to provide value by selling the product or the service, but we never communicate the process. Through my research, I realized that the client or the prospect client, when they have a clear idea on how you do things and you explain it on a very easy way for them to understand, people are getting connected to the service and the product you're offering. So we're offering branding design, we're offering strategy, and we talk a lot about the result, right? They say, you're gonna be like that. You're gonna increase 20% of your sales. You're gonna have this like that. Instead, how about to, to use a pattern called tunneling? And tunneling is about guiding people through your process to get them involved. That's a huge growth mindset trait because when people understand what you do and how you do it, it enhances and it empowers you more and more to create a sales pitch that you feel comfortable with, you know? And that's your value right there, how you do things so people can understand more about you. Naomi said she agrees. She said she was starting, she was getting way less questions after she put her process into her proposal. So even something as simple as that, like explaining what the process is or explaining what your communication will be. I know Dee and John do a weekly meeting with their clients. And I think that that's something. It's like, oh, well, this is the, you know, we know all the little pieces that go into it, but maybe we need to do a better job at uh, bringing them into that fold and so that they feel like they're part of the journey. Exactly. 
And uh, the power of having a process, actually, it makes you very sophisticated and efficient the way you communicate. People feel that they, they, you build trust. That's initial, not only how you talk and your style, but when you're talking about your product and service and you know what you're talking about and you have a good flow to explain what you're doing step by step and you, you give respect to your audience by putting them in the process, that's very empowering. So I discovered from my comprehensive research that people who don't communicate the process actually then don't fulfill the sales versus the people who communicate the process, we have a better closing rate. Mm-hmm. Now, cultivate a sense of purpose. As you know, I'm an Ikigai mentor and I teach people about Ikigai. Tell my mom what an Ikigai is. So Ikigai, the Japanese method to find your purpose. You know, it's a purpose, uh, a, a reason to be. So the Japanese methodology, actually, it's a little bit deeper than the Venn diagram that we learn about the four circles that you understand about what we like, what our core competencies, you know, what's the worldview. So somehow the Western philosophy brought an amazing platform from the Ikigai and built a nice Venn diagram to help people to cultivate the purpose, understand the purpose. I have to go a little bit deeper because I like the way I was extracting information from my students. So I have to go through this, uh, I would say course from the Ikigai tribe in Australia. And uh, it seems to me that finding your purpose is not just something like an exercise. It seemed to me like that before. Say, okay, through the exercise, we have the purpose. You really have to go deep. You really have to understand a lot of about the people by going through the exercise. So there's a lot of questionnaires. There's a lot of exercises. So I realized by cultivating a sense of purpose, if you have a process, you know your product and you put purpose in your whole package, then you're very strong. You're very strong and somehow that builds the confidence initially, you need to go further. So purpose for me was very important. I started doing like a lot of research around it. There's many actually different methods out there, beautiful methods, but for me and my style of coaching, Ikigai was the one that uh, really correlated accordingly. So I'm very happy to see the results of people that apply their Ikigai to their business. Choose learning versus seeking approval. Now, in the creative world, there's a lot of um, external, aesthetical um, approval, you know? Some people that don't talk about the process, they just show something beautiful, you know, and they're looking to get this approval. Some people, they focus too much on that. And when they don't get the approval, they're getting in a dark place, they start self-doubting. Instead, you know, instead of seeking approval, in the method of building a growth mindset, choose to learn. Have this weighted. I say, do you want to seek approval versus something you do, or you want to learn what you do in a more efficient way, just to keep learning about it, keep becoming better, keep building accordingly, you know? So that was also very important for me to understand from the students that people were looking for subconsciously or consciously approval. And when they didn't get this approval, and I will live in the social media world, you know, how many likes I got, or how many people pet my back and say that was amazing. Instead, And that goes to the expectations, right? Expect, lower your expectation of approval and start learning. This is going to be great for your self-confidence and your growth mindset. Learn everything around your work because we may be amazing designers, developers, strategists, but there's so many more things around it, you know? So keep learning. It's great. And to that point, some people, they compare themselves with other people. And when the other people are like on another level, we don't really 
uh, analyze what happened for them to be there. We just see the end result and we get disappointed and say, I want to be like the, this uh, designer or I want to be like this uh, owner of the business. And instead, you're getting a little bit to the, in a weird place to compare yourself. So you don't have all the facts straight here. You just see something that you like, but uh, instead, how about you get inspired by this? How you sit on another like level, another perspective, see something that somebody accomplished and just admire it. That's a growth mindset. That's the difference between growth mindset and fixed mindset. On the fixed mindset, people see other like people in the same market and they get envious or they're getting jealous or they get a little bit irritated with themselves, with the world, with the market. Instead, seek inspiration. Go and see what they did and try to actually understand more about it. And maybe you can apply that to your work and your business. Mistakes, it's very important to make. By all means, I don't want to say that people go out and make mistakes, but make peace with the fact that mistakes are happening regardless. The amazing opportunity for the mistakes, it's a learning experience. When you don't get a client, okay, when you send a proposal or when you actually, you know, try to get a client and you get a no, you get a rejection, immediately the reaction is to like, oh man, I need this client, I don't get the, you know, get disappointed. Instead, go back and ask them in a very genuine organic level. There's no strings attached, sir or ma'am. Please tell me why you didn't pick me, right? Why? This information is crucial. And the more you think like that, like, what happened and it didn't work out? It wasn't my mistake, it wasn't others' mistake. So see the mistakes and put them together and create a dungeon in your brain with all this information and use it to become better. So I made peace with my mistakes and I made a lot of mistakes. Whew. I think my mistakes are more than my successful story. So am I proud for it? Actually, I'm proud of the way I use the information to become better in what we do. So make peace with mistakes. You'll see that it's an amazing information. If you know how to aggregate information with your mistakes, you will find what to do right the next time. Feedback, somebody tells you something, I say, I'm okay, man. I don't like you, I, I don't need any more opinions. You know, in a fixed mindset, people turn their backs into feedback. Instead, the people with a growth mindset, they want to learn more from other people. Now, it doesn't matter if this feedback comes from a bad place or a good place, it's still feedback, you know? You are able to categorize it, you know, accordingly. What you need to do, though, is to try to see through, you know, the cracks. What, what's the meaning here? What's, what's the substance? What's the core? You will be able to ask for more feedback and to get much more information. So make mistakes, ask for feedback. That's a very good trade for a growth mindset. And to end this, just be patient. I mean, Rome wasn't built in one day, right? So you have to be patient. It takes time. It takes time. So while you're doing things, just put yourself in a position that you want to evolve. You want to see progress. And I'm talking about business, okay? I'm not here to say people have the questions about their personal life, you know? I'm a human being. I'm having my personal life. But when it comes to business, it takes time. It took me about 15 years to be where I am. And it took me about many many disappointments in my life to get where I am. And I'm in a very happy place. 2020 was for some people a mixed year, but for me, I have to say it was maybe the best year of my life because the biggest goal of my life has been accomplished. I bought my house. Now you're gonna tell me how you did it. Perseverance, resilience. I fought it, I learned and I keep learning. 
and I keep making mistakes. So that was the presentation for the growth mindset. Awesome. That was great. Okay. So, so in that, then have you always been positive or was that something that was new, newer? Positivity comes with the actual, if you see the results you want to see in your life, you keep being positive or somehow if you have like some trauma from your family, your house, you have some big, big roots of negativity. It's something you keep fighting. I think I'm lucky that uh, I grew up on a happy house, you know, with all the problems that comes with the family. And I was always active. I guess uh, sports and music helped me a lot to become positive, you know, to see things through harmonies, and see, through, see, see, see things through activities. But the pandemic, I realized that a lot of people were unhappy, okay? So I brought my positive aspect to the people I knew I can help them. I didn't help all of them, but I helped a few of them. It felt good. Mm-hmm. There's no way for me not to be positive anymore because things are indeed happening when you actually have a growth mindset. And there's no other way for me right now. If you ask me right now how I build it, it's a combination of things, but I am indeed positive about everything. And I love being rejected and I love making mistakes because I have a positive attitude towards it in order for me to fix it because of the growth mindset. So growth mindset is actually helping me to stay positive. Okay. I, <laughs> I, I, I like that. Um, so how about staying focused? Cause it seems like that for me, it can be, um, an issue with just having so many things spinning. So you had three businesses, then you took a sabbatical and you were learning all these things. You were in all these courses, doing all these things. How did you stay focused? I I missed to say something that when the pandemic happened and I have to pivot, actually have to pivot to make my business survive. All right. So uh, I have to come up with a methodology because I was doing things, but I wasn't having something like documented for me. And they have like a playbook. Let's say, do this, because when this happened, you did this. So you're going to tell me that things are being adjusted accordingly in life. But in business, I need to have a process. I need to have a response to specific problems. So I build a methodology in order to help me. And once I saw it working on me and I started testing with other people, my focus became even more intense because when you see things working out, you get more passionate about it. There's more energy coming because you see something growing. So you know that if you want to keep it growing, you have to do whatever you did before. It started growing. And focus and perseverance are very important. And I will say hard work in in combination with the smart work really helped me to run three businesses. Now I'm in the point that I launched my new business and I'm rebuilding the other two businesses. So I got my teams together and we're talking about a lot of strategy. We're about to launch uh, Hungry Pop again in the New York City metro area with more marketing and events for companies because now we know that the pandemic is going to stay here for a little bit more. So virtual events are going to be, they're going to be a reality. So we already got some demand. We have our refinements, how to do things. And Brandtree Media, right now, I'm offering a free program for the restaurants to help them just to unstuck because the restaurants right now, they're suffering. And I'm very sympathetic about the restaurants Mm -hmm. because I have been a restaurateur. I'm trying to see what's my buffer to offer my services complimentary to help them to unstuck. So I invest with my services to them. And eventually when they get back on track, they will will be able to come back to me and say, okay, 
Thank you for your uh, participation. Now it's time to hire you for more things. So somehow I have different strategies in doing things, but I've seen that giving a lot of things in advance really helps you to get things later. But I don't have expectations. That's a key. I don't go there and I ask, I say to people, let me help you in order to get help. My expectation, it's very minimal. My expectation is just to react for this participation. Then everything comes as a surprise, which is even better, right? So yeah. That's right. <laughs> so Joey says practicing a growth mindset is like a snowball effect. It builds upon itself. And I love that. And then Naomi said, always air air on or air on the side of ger- generosity. And I think that, that those are both great. Um, sometimes it's hard to get started. Um, and you may be in that mixed mindset. I will say to the point of uh, our friend here about the snowball effect, uh, when in my mind, the snowball is something you cannot really control. The growth mindset, when you understand more about uh, what you need to do to develop a growth mindset, is something you control. And that's the power of the growth mindset. You control what you develop. You choose what to develop. You understand more about the context you're in. So somehow you gain control. Fixed mindset, it's something you cannot really control because you choose to go with the flow, with whatever it is, because that's who I am. I don't have any problem with who I am, you know. It works for me and it's fine. Fixed mindsets, they're not the evil. It's just people who want to be on the scale of maybe flat with a little bit ups or the people want to go really like a hockey stick on the top. So I understand the snowball effect from another perspective. So I will have to discuss this on some other time, but when it comes to growth mindset, we need to understand that it's something we control, we choose to apply. And there's so many different methodologies and frameworks and formulas. And that's what I'm teaching actually. But I will say the basic, basic element of growth mindset is you control how you apply it to yourself and your business. I think maybe she was meaning that once you apply it to one part of your life, it can, the snowball effect is that it gets easier to build, put more snow on it because you have, um, there's more circumference gathering snow. So it actually, when you start it in one spot, it actually is easier to grow. That first part that you're working on um, might be harder because it's a, uncomfortable or new but once it gets rolling it becomes easier to kind of envelop it in absolutely it's like a virus you want to have it it's it's contagious you can't stop right when you're right right, you say oh my god this thing works let me do more so yeah in that sense it is a noble effect so what about community what did the role um because uh, oftentimes we can get um isolated and when we're isolated we start doubting we start thinking that somebody else is doing other things or they have it all together and so that can go to to some of the things that aren't healthy and they're not productive for our business or for our 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 life so what role did your community play for me community it's something that i never had in my life in terms of when i was growing my business and um seeing growing my business right now on a community level it's day and night. I feel very thankful about the power of the community, but I don't want to generalize it. Community has to be with the right people, the people who are aligned in values and ethos. There must be some ethicality behind the community. There must be some alignment. Otherwise, if you just try to network with people who eventually are not the right people, okay, I understand it's trial and error, but somehow we have to magnetize the right people in our lives. 
So when we're clear with our goals, and even when we're not clear, but we ask for help, and that's also a trait of the growth mindset, on the growth mindset, we're not ashamed to ask for help. The right people will come. The right people come and give help. I have met so much, so many amazing people through the community, both on the Chris Doe, on the Future Group, on your camp, and generally from my peers as I was growing my business, that I know that now, more than ever, it's very important to be involved in a community level, to serve and receive value. So it's very important. It's definitely very important. And I wish I had like access to community years ago when I was building my businesses because uh, it felt lonely. It felt lonely. There was a lot of darkness, but eventually the light came from the hard work and perseverance. If I had the community, I think I would make things a little bit faster. <laughs> so community can also be a catalyst with the right people around you. When you started diving in, you started meeting with a lot of people um, just because you were you were just investigating. This was just part of the, the research for you. Did you know that you wanted to help them with sales or were you just kind of figuring it out and were you just looking at their confidence blockers? Because I remember us talking about it in uh, really early and you really wanted to help people, but you noticed that they had issues with confidence or creatives had issues with confidence. So it was a natural progression teaching them how to sell because I know how to sell. I grew up on a, an, on a family that we were selling. And then if you actually learn about sales and about persuasion, every day we sell to our family, to our peers. We try to sell something. It doesn't have to be something that has a monetary value. It can have like another value. You know, there's a psychological value. It can have like a social value. It can have like a exchange value, like a value, actual functional value. But um, I realized when I was starting doing my uh, research and uh, getting feedback from uh, colleagues, confidence was big, the lack of confidence. I really wanted to explore about why people that don't have confidence. For me... And from my comprehensive research, it came down to what they were selling. Of course, there are so many other like parameters, you know, some personal issues, you know, I understand that. But, you know, there's a difference between a therapist and a coach. A therapist goes back to trauma. A coach tried to give the right direction to grow. So I chose in the beginning because I was listening to a lot of stories of personal trauma. I felt very weak to help. I had empathy though, you know, I had empathy, I was listening, but for me to take the responsibility and guide people through the trauma, it's not my place. I'm not a professional therapist. So it's really important for me to understand where I'm coming from. I'm a good listener though. I can spend hours listening and I can give an honest opinion, but I decided that the right way for me to discover why people have confidence is to explore what they do in their business. And this is when by starting discussing how they build the products, what's the offering, what's the pricing, what's the competition, understanding more about the context of the business, I realized there was something there. And the people that were more talking about their business, I saw a different, different person. They were getting happy. They were changing. You know, the, the face were getting a little bit lighter. So, yes, and I do this and I do it like that. And, you know, so this is when I started, like, aggregating information. It's okay. This is a good indication for me to help people in terms of what they do in their business. So 
I did some research. I talked actually with BJ Fogg and um, I took some advice. It's all about behavior. It's all about your behavior that actually constructs perceptions. Now, if you think about it, that, as I said, BJ Fogg is one of my mentors and he wrote a book, Tiny Habits. And it's something I'm teaching on my methodology as well. So in the Tiny Habits, it's about understanding your behaviors, if it serves a purpose or not, and build small habits in between your behaviors to become something you want to become. It's not as easy as it sounds, but it can be very easy. It can be very easy. Now, confidence, believe it or not, the lack of confidence, it's a part of our daily behavior. The things we do on a daily basis that they don't, they don't help us actually to build confidence. So by creating a framework to get people to build a behavior towards business goals and business growth, immediately the confidence was increasing. I'm to the point right now that I have a workshop with some creatives, industrials, web developers, and their confidence is not an issue anymore. Like, literally, we don't have a confidence thing anymore. We don't talk about confidence. It happened. I'm ready to sell. So I realized making sales, it's the ultimate epitome of accomplishment. And this accomplishment helps them to keep building towards to sales and to build a business. A sustainable business has to have sales. And when it comes to sales, we all turn our back. We don't like the word sales, right? Spammy, sleazy, a lot of manipulation going on. But this is what we have experienced with bad sales. How about, how about we create ethos and we understand that what we sell is giving value to prospect clients and glorify it and make a sale as a part of our being. We have to sell in order to survive or sell is a part of the value exchange circle. So I realize that people that they have the lack of confidence is because mainly past trauma, okay? But also a big portion was about the way the business is actually performing. So we build this methodology, this framework to get unstuck by making sales and it works. And I think I asked you this yesterday when we were talking about this, by making the sale or just practicing the pitch or practicing telling people about what you do? There is a process. That's why I build a growth mindset, okay? We talk about growth mindset, but for me, the growth mindset is about building a business that makes sales. That's what I'm teaching. So you have to pitch. You have to make mistakes. You have to understand from the rejections what happened and you didn't make the sale in order to start selling properly. You have to understand the process and your product. You have to back up all the information for any, any question from the prospect client. Because when we pitch, when we talk about our offering, there's a lot of stuck moments. Uh, yes, I can do that. I think so. You know, How about you have a flow? And every time somebody asks you something about your offering, the flow is fluent. It's like a river, never stops, right? So in that sense, a growth mindset, an adaptation of growth mindset, we help you to get to the point to understand more about yourself and how you can start selling on an efficient level that you can feel happy and fulfilled. So sales, it's an accomplishment. Growth mindset 
can be a mindset to make you live better. But when it comes to business, what I'm teaching, it's about actually to start making sales. And think of this, from all the designers you know, all the creatives, who is actively selling right now? What do you like, mean actively selling? Actively selling means that most of the creatives that I know, and at least I may be wrong, but from my research, most of the people, they're posting content. Mm-hmm. LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, great carousels, great wow. content for knowledge, you know? But this is a passive form of selling because you're waiting for something to happen. It's a probability game, right? They say, I'm going to post once a day and I'm going to attract X amount of leads eventually. And I'm going to send emails. And, you know, this is called, actually, email is not so passive. Posting content, it's a little bit passive because it's a probability game. How many of us actually are selling right now? How many of us are actually going out there where the customers are? And we say, I would like to discuss about something that I'm offering. And I, I think you will find this interesting for your business. I can tell you the percentage of people who passively selling and actively selling, the passive is a little bit bigger. So for me, making sales is about building predictability. And predictability means that you know, on a daily month, you have this income coming in. As a designer before, you know, I was waiting for somebody to refer me, you know, or somebody to see my post or somebody to come to me eventually. But in New York City, in the restaurant business, I had a lot of referrals, but I was actively selling. I was going to a restaurant and I was giving my card. I say, I love your food. I love your restaurant. I had to love the food though, right? I wasn't faking it. I love the food. If you ever need help with marketing, please reach out to me. What was the percentage? It was a good percentage because the people were going to see my portfolio and they liked it. So they reached out, but I was actively selling, right? Yes, you have to have a strategy on Instagram. Yes, you have to have a, a strategy on LinkedIn and your social media, but my research shows that people don't really actively selling. So for me, empowering people to go out and make sales, it's my mission because they have amazing products. They have amazing offerings. They have amazing value. And the people is out there waiting for them. Somehow, we just wait for them to come to us. So for me, how to build predictability, it's about actively go out and start being more aggressive maybe. Maybe aggressive is a, an aggressive term, but I would say start actively selling. So there are many ways to do that. So Mario says the build value model with intention is more powerful than just openly selling. And what you're saying is if you're just posting content and not doing, it's like you're going out to try to find a date, but you're not talking to anybody when you're out outside of your house. You do have to have some of those conversations. It, I, um, and I think there are different kinds of sales tactics for sure, right? Like that's a whole whole other thing. But we are at the end of this, and uh, there's so much conversation I think left. But we are at the end, so I want to make sure that I share your. Um, <laughs> Naomi says I'd go a step further and have a clear call to action in those interactions. Please reach out to me is a little bit more passive of a request. When I hear it, it's like a read more button on a website. So agreed. I'm uh, not I'm not neglecting everything that our friend said. You know, I agree the build value model and the a call to action, everything. What I'm saying is that actively selling versus passively selling. And I think what Mario means by the build value model through content mainly, you know, if I understand correctly, it's efficient, you know? I just don't see this as, as a predictable source of income. Uh, when I call about actively selling, I, 
I know that the creatives need to get empowered to go out and sell to their niche market, you know. And thank God right now with the power of the internet, with one click of a button, we can reach to people we never would reach otherwise 20 or 30 years ago. So there's an abundance of opportunities right now, you know. One way or another, all the sales methods work. Some of them work slower. Some methods work faster. So it worked for us. It worked for me. It worked for the people I teach. So it's something that I preaching. I keep preaching, but I do respect all the kind of models of sales. So, so Brandy said, wait, you're supposed to talk to people in real life? And then Mario <laughs> said, it's predictable if you build momentum, but it takes time to build trust. So absolutely. So I want to make sure you guys know how to connect with Costas. And while I'm sharing these links, do you want to tell them about what's next and what you're offering? I launched the forest method. It's called the forest because of the, I'm a nature lover. I built the method while I was in the forest on uh, upstate New York. There is a lot of connection the way I'm teaching with the actual uh, philosophy of the forest and how the forest works under the soil. A lot of connectivity of different elements in order to build a strategy. And the forest method is available. We have workshops right now. We do coaching, but coaching is something that... Uh, it's more like a high-end product. I do have the clients, but I love the, the energy of the workshops. I love teaching people. And I think the workshops is like way to connect with other people who are in the same mission. And we create accountability partners and things are working out fantastic for the students so far. We're about to launch a, a community on Mighty Networks uh, network um, platform, which is going to have like the courses, the videos, the content for the people to interact. Um, and we're very close actually to finalize the product. We launched the product. We already have sales and it's going well. It's, uh, you can find information. You can subscribe to connect with me on theforestmethod.com. I would love to meet you. I would love to discuss challenges. I'm all about that. And I'm, I'm going to keep learning from all of you. And Alex is going through it and he said he's almost finished the method and it's been a game changer for him. And I love Alex. Alex is in Romania. So if all these links are below. So if you're on Apple Podcasts or you're watching on YouTube, all these links are under here. So theforestmethod.com. You can also email Costas at k at theforestmethod.com if you want to have a little bit more uh, conversation. And then um, his Instagram is this is the forest, <clears throat> excuse me. And then also, if you want to look at brand tree, uh, just B R A N T R E E B R A N D T R. Uh, anyway, and then hungry pop is hello, hungry pop. I want to do this. Dot com. Costas, thank you for being on today. And make sure you guys click the link. And check out, uh, Alex was one of the people who worked on the theforestmethod.com. So check out. Um, and I'm could... a designer, an amazing visionary, Alex Hartman from Romania. Yes. I have learned so many things from this gentleman. I'm Super... proud to call my friend a friend. friend Me friend. too. Me too. Guys, thank you so much. Next week, we will have Ash Rathad. Again, mental health month. So next week. I can't wait. He had um, overcome something and I don't even want to uh, spill the beans. So I'm excited just to. Fun fact with me and Rash, we haven't really acquainted uh, online. We talked a few times, but we both graduated from the same university in England, in Staffordshire University. So ah. we are uh, we are university buddies. Oh, cool. That's Did you know him when you were there? No, no, no. Just, uh, you know, he came out. I said, you're both, we're both in Staffordshire. We're on LinkedIn. I say, we start talking about the university. Oh, that's 
That's cool. Well, guys, thanks so much for coming out and supporting Costas and me, and I appreciate it. Adrian, it's good to see you all the way from Ireland, and I appreciate everybody. Um, Alex, it's super, it's like 10 p.m. or 10.30, so I appreciate you staying up super late. Thank you, guys, and I hope you guys have an awesome day.